couldn't be more than five. You're so fat, they have to jack you up to take off your shoes. Yeah, well, you're so skinny, your eyes are in single file. Well, you're so ugly, your ears stick out to get away from your face. Well, your mama is oh, so... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't bring anyone mother into this. She ain't here. If it wasn't for your mother, you wouldn't be here. So remember, when you put down one mother, you put down mothers all over the world. You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. Back everybody, and faithful listeners of Movie Sucktastic, this is your host Scott. Now, usually I would say co-host Scott, and then I'll be followed by somebody else. But as a lot of you know, I'm currently running solo now. Movie Scott-tastic is still going. Joseph is, as of yet, unfound. My co-host Joey has been abducted by crazed Avatar fans, unhappy with my reviews of the movie, and are at the moment doing whatever. I'm not even sure. We have no. Have been, we've had no contact. I've been checking the movie sucktastic email. I've been checking the blogs. I've been checking the sites. And there's no communication whatsoever from these fiends. So I'm hoping that. I mean, if they're listening now, just let me know what you want. I mean, if it's a retraction, you're not going to get it. So you might as well kill them right now. But anything else, let us know. I mean, just contact me somehow, and let's get to the bottom of this because. I can't. I can't do this myself for long, and we um, we miss Joey. Everybody misses Joey. So everybody, please uh, just if you hear any news out there, contact me. If you're one of the despicable Avatar freaks that are out there that have them, get get back in touch. This is getting silly. Uh, there's been a slight hiatus. I actually was trying to track down Joey using the skills and abilities I learned when I uh, ran with the Navajos back in '84, along with my. Uh, uh, Mexican wrestling skills, which d- don't come in as useful for tracking people. Uh, but it w- I drew up a blank. Uh, cold trail. I-, I got as far as the Appalachian Trail, and then it went dead. So it's anybody's guess right now exactly where or in what shape Joey is in. As per previous episodes, I am coming to you from the Wilson Compound attic, the heavily fortified Wilson Compound, where I spend most of my days sequestered. Uh, unfortunately, New Jersey has had a bit of a heat wave recently, uh, temperatures reaching in the high hundreds, uh, 110, 112, and torrential downpours flooding the area, destroying livestock, and adding to the humidity instead of cooling down the heat. So, unfortunately, there is no ventilation of any kind up here in the Wilson compound attic, just one bare bulb swinging over my head, uh, running the podcasting equipment off of a car battery. Uh, I am sitting here... Crouched on the floor in my Batman underoos, clutching a lukewarm thermos of Kool-Aid to my body in a vain attempt to remain hydrated as well as cool. And uh, the prognosis is not that good, folks. So listen, if you while listening to this podcast, if you happen to hear a prolonged pause followed by a loud thump, then you can only assume that I have crumpled to a dehydrated heap on the floor and have somehow miraculously managed to finish recording, edit, 
and release that podcast while lying unconscious in my attic. So if you do hear that, please call the authorities and tell them that... Uh, actually, at that point, I'm probably just a, an emaciated husk of a corpse at that point. So uh, um, they'll find me eventually. Don't worry about it. But if, if that doesn't happen, then we must assume everything went according to plan. That's the bad news. I mean... And things are getting worse all over. Of course, I'm sitting around watching the news and the oil spill, day 78, 85, whatever. And I wouldn't be bringing this up because I'm trying to keep politics out of this. I know Joey would want me to, you know, keep strict to the movie stuff here and not spread my dissent and, and uh, disapproval of the world around us into the into the podcast. But the film industry has been making news within the news. I, I'm sure everybody watching has noticed that um, Kevin Costner who apparently took some of his Waterworld money and funded the creation of a machine to actually separate oil from water, has been spending the longest time trying to get BP to actually listen to him. And apparently last week, or yeah, I think last week or this weekend, BP announced that they actually were going to purchase some of these machines off them. Whether they use them, you know, who knows. And things, you know things are bad when Kevin Costner comes into the scene as like some kind of hero, and everybody kind of holds back on the Waterworld jokes. Uh, the news. Oh, they mentioned Waterworld, but then yeah, everybody said, "Well, yeah, yeah, you started a horrible movie in the Postman. Uh, can you help us with the oil?" I mean, you know, <laughs> we're leaving no stone unturned here, and that was kind of amusing. Unfortunately, the other part of it is that they turned to James Cameron for his expertise in deep sea diving because of his work on the Titanic films, not just the movie that the Oscar-winning film, but all the other subsequent films he did. And, the, uh, uh, all right, right off the bat, fuck James Cameron. Okay, there. Well, now get that out of the way. And secured the uh, mature listeners to tamp. The idea that somebody in the government picked up the phone, so we need to get to the bottom of this, yeah, oh, those Titanic films, they did a lot of deep-sea diving, they created a lot of new equipment for, to go down that far, we should get in touch with the people behind that. And someone said, oh, let's call James Cameron. That person should be slapped, fired, slapped again, and uh, something, you know, horrible things should be done to this person because that is just completely insane. Yeah, all right, James Cameron made all these movies, and yeah, he knows a lot of this stuff because he worked on the films, but he didn't invent the stuff. He's not an engineer. He's a filmmaker. So, I mean, somebody should have said, hey, yeah, James Cameron, he did those Titanic films. Uh, the only reason they should have called him was to get the name of the guy who actually created or invented or designed the stuff that he used for his film. The fact that anybody called James Cameron up to, to say, hey, can you help us out? God help us. Now, I mean, now the upshot would have been, of course, if, if James Cameron did get involved in the whole BP coverage, that uh, all the underwater HD coverage of the oil spilling into the ocean, being jettisoned out and, you know, squirting out into the ocean that all would have been a nice 3d for us to watch we could have like we could have watched a 3d representation of our environment being destroyed slowly or rapidly actually um he might have tried the color blue i don't know uh, but entertainment leaks into the news everywhere and you you know what's bad when, you know what disaster is bad the minute we turn to entertainment industry for solutions because they aren't really solutions. What we do is when something gets so bad that we have no control over it and there's no hope, we turn to the entertainment industry not to give us a solution, but to make us, give us the illusion that there's a solution. We are the world, for example. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it raised a lot of money, but did it solve the, the hunger problem? No. 
uh, Band Aid, Farm Aid, run down the list. They 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 raised money, but you could have raised just as much money without spending all the money to do what they did. It's just what is it, it's a very glamorous way of saying, look, we tried, and instead of feeling bad about it. Here's something entertaining to watch. It's it's the beginning of the end. Whenever whenever you get Hollywood involved, if you hear about any kind of fundraiser happening for the oil thing, that's it. It's gone. That's it. We're shot. You know. And, and if Sean Penn takes his boat out there to try to do something, then you know what's really a lost cause. I mean, Louisiana all over again. But it's uh, now if they wanted to solve the problem, they'd have to call some specialists. And uh, only there's only one group of specialists I can think of. That would be advantageous in any situation. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. That's right. It's the A Team. The A Team premiered this weekend, everybody, and I was lucky enough to see a screening of it at Becky's Drive-In in <laughs> Pennsylvania. And uh, now I, I've, I've been a big proponent of the Drive-In since I rediscovered it. Because uh, let's face it, when you go to movies, uh, it's, it's quickly becoming a Netflix and Redbox world because people suck and people ruin anything that takes place in public. Movie theaters, you can't go without people and their goddamn cell phones. they got to talk during the film. What was that? I missed that. Did you hear what happened to that? Oh, look at that. It's a white carpet. People won't shut the fuck up. And if it's not that, it's somebody bringing a goddamn baby to the Iron Man movie or some guy talking to himself during the Matrix Revolution. It's, there's always somebody there to ruin the, the, the experience of seeing a film out in public. I mean, just people just have no concept of surviving or interacting in the real world. So the drive-in's great because you pull up and you park the car. If, if you got a hatchback, you pop open the back, and you have your surround system, surround sound system right they're around you. Two uh, two feet on either side of you, you got your speakers. You crank that up as loud as you want. You can't hear a goddamn thing. Now, unfortunately, though, the, the drive-in has become more of a, a family event or an event where you're not just going to watch a movie. You're going to hang out, relax, have fun, take the kids. Uh, Becky's drive-in, for example, they have a whole slew of... Uh, and I'm, I'm not. And at this point, honestly, the kids aren't what I'm complaining about. I'm just giving you a setup here that they have a little... 
fire truck they drive around, and they have a ball pen that you got to pay three bucks to get in, which is a freaking jip. And, uh, and and also, you, obviously, you can't go in if you're six foot five. Um, and they have all these, uh, they have a playground, all these events for the kids to do. They have fireworks. They had actually had a karate tournament display uh, because of the karate kid, which was showing on the screen. They get there, and first of all, they swap screens on me, just out of the blue. Because, as you know, if you watch the news, Karate Kid kicked ass this weekend. I don't think anybody expected this movie to be as big as it was. I mean, Jackie Chan's not exactly a big star draw anymore, and uh, little Smith Jr. there, yeah, he's he's great, and everybody loves him, but I still don't think he's a major draw. But, I mean, the, the latest numbers, I'm not sure if they're finalized yet, but Karate Kid dragged in like $56 million dollars. On, on the opening weekend, and it just took everybody by storm. So they swapped it from the big screen to the, li- the little screen to the big screen because Friday night they were almost they almost sold out of space, and they were worried that they wouldn't get enough people in. So now I'm watching a team on the smaller screen. Granted, it's still an outdoor, big, drive-in movie screen, but it's a smaller one and it's a smaller field. So that's annoying enough. So now I'm in the now now I'm I'm it's like sitting at the kids table during Thanksgiving. It's like you know I, I'm all set to go and now I'm, I'm all ready to sit at the big banquet and pass the food around. And now I'm sitting at the card table with the snotty with the the, the kid with the snot running down his nose and the precocious girl who keeps repeating everything you say because goddamn it it's funny. So you're th- now here's the problem: babies aren't concerned anymore because if they bring them, they're going to stay in the car. Kids aren't a concern anymore because you can't really hear the kids. You're 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 uh, you're uh, in your own car, you're in your vehicle, and you, you have the windows down. It's, it's summer. Let's face it. You're gonna have the windows down. You're gonna have the doors open. So what's the problem, Scott? Well, I'll complain partially over the fact that you actually have to park next to other people, and this shouldn't be a problem. A lot of people are normally quiet, but occasionally you park next to the the louder vehicle. Oh, say a bounty hunter. On a on his weekend off, this guy's got like five people around him. They're all just they're swapping stories about all they're missing is beers in their hands because you're not allowed to drink at this place, and they're just swapping stories about storming places and uh, oh, you know, a lot of talk of illegal activities being perpetrated by them, not the people that they're catching. And I even noticed at one point that the jackass next to us actually has a gun holster on. This guy's packing at the fucking drive-in. I don't care if you're a cop. I don't care if you're a uh, a bounty hunter. I, I mean, I, I, I got, I got, I got, dog, I got uh, bulldog, whatever the hell his name is, the bounty hunter next to me. He's got, this guy's got a gun, and if if you're in a real, in your, if you're in an occupation that you have a gun and then you're off duty, and you bring the gun with you, you're just l- looking for reason to use the goddamn thing. I'm sorry, I'm not pro gun. I'm not anti gun, but I'm not pro gun. I'm right in the middle. I think guns are okay. I just don't like the fact that the jackass next to me. Uh, at the drive-in, has a loaded pistol on on hand just in case something goes down. Because the one thing I want is this idiot taking pot shots in a dark field full of cars and people watching movies. But that's not what I'm complaining about. Here's the problem. People don't bring kids at the drive-in, but what they do bring are their goddamn dogs. Now, I am not a dog fan. I'm probably one of the few guys you'll ever hear say that. I'm not a, I'm not a dog owner. I'm not a dog fan. I do not like dog owners. And and if you're listening to this and you're a dog owner, obviously you're the exception to the rule. I don't mean you. Uh, but most, the majority of pet owners, the majority of dog owners are insane. They have lost touch with reality and they feel this need that, oh, the dog is part of my family. Let's bring it to the grocery store. Let's bring it here. Let's bring it to the drive-in. Great. So I've got my car parked. There's a car pulls in front of me. And... 
they oh it's a hatchback older vehicle guy gets out and opens the hatch and two large white furry ponies leap out of the back of this vehicle it's i don't even know what they are but they're they're like three feet tight i could ride one and i'm I'm a big guy i could have ridden one of these things and they brought them to the driving they're walking them they're walking them around. I mean, I'm, I'm a, and they don't have any bags in their hands, so I'm assuming these dogs are taking a dump somewhere. They're leaving it, and every other car's got dogs, and all. I mean, you have to crank your stereo up really loud to cover it if you start getting a chain bark going through here. I don't know what people are thinking. They bring the dogs so they could watch the movie. They're afraid to leave the dog home. It's 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 madness. It's mad. I, I, there's no reason or rhyme to it. I, leave the goddamn dogs at home. I mean. Great, you can bring the baby to the drive-in. That's wonderful. Now we have to we have to step it up a notch. Oh, it's it's almost like people sit at home trying to think how can I be annoying? How can I piss off other people around me and ruin their enjoyment when I'm not allowed to bring a newborn and talking on my cell phone is not going to distract them? Hmm. I know I can bring wild animals and let them run. Half of these people don't even bring leashes for the goddamn dogs, and and the drive-in's not cracking down on this. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they, got, they got the guy walking around with strings to make sure everybody ties their hatchbacks down, but no one's walking around telling people to muzzle their goddamn dogs. It's 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 a nuisance. Dog owners are a nuisance. Uh, and now that I've managed to alienate yet another large portion of our listening audience, um, but that did not distract from the the, the the pleasure that was watching the A team. Now I I was I was ready to hate this. I was really didn't have any good feelings about it. I mean, it, it's it's a television remake. And we all know that it's the kiss of death when they remake these old television shows into movies. Now, you'll see a lot that what they do is that they'll take a film, a TV show back from this time period of the 80s or something, and it's a classic show, and it had a huge fan base. But, I mean, when you look back, it's kind of campy. They didn't work well. So they want to capitalize on the fact that everyone loved the show from the time period. They already have a built-in fan base. But then they're afraid... So you take the same mockery that the show got, so they, they mock themselves. A very self, a very kind of self-conscious, self-aware uh, parody. And like they did that with Starsky and Hutch. They did it with uh, Charlie's Angels to an extent. Dukes of Hazard. It's like, oh, look at us, ha ha ha! And they ruin it. They, it's 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 horrible. They 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 don't treat the stuff with the respect we gave it back then. And for those of us who were children back then, growing up with it, we don't look at it, at it that way. We don't look at it like, yeah, it was, yeah, we'll, we'll mock it and make fun of it and talk about it like that. But when we look back in our minds, it's really because of this fond memory of a, of, a, of a more innocent time. So when you take that more innocent time and you mock it, you're pretty much slapping the audience in the face. And they don't, really haven't caught on with that because they keep doing it. And they'll ruin stuff like that. But then, when they, but then there's the other hand where they take these old TV shows and they they uh, actually tackle them seriously, like Miami Vice, The Mod Squad, uh, SWAT. There's a good example. And the problem with these is they bring these shows, they modernize them, and they treat them seriously, and they give them a respect and seriousness. But nobody really cared. No one was clamoring for a, a remake of SWAT. No one. I don't think anybody. I think very few people even admit to watching Miami Vice back when it was out. It's it's really. It was it, it's it's Miami Vice is almost like a negative, iconic image of the 80s. <laughs> so I, I don't know why they thought it, modernizing it and bringing it up would actually make people want to flock to see it. Uh, it's just... So they'll do that. They'll take something that was just obscure enough and they'll modernize it and treat it seriously. And these films didn't, reserve, didn't deserve the serious respect they got. 
then, then, then of course you have flat out cinematic abortions like uh, the Avengers, uh, Bewitched with this kind of oh, it's a it's it's a movie within a show within a movie, and it, it's referencing the show, so we don't have to actually pretend. You know, it's, it's again, again, they're afraid to actually take the show at what made it popular, so instead they have to twist it around so it looks like they're not taking it seriously. You know, that kind of nonsense. Mission Impossible turning it into another James Bond fest. Uh, Wild Wild West, no comment. And you know, and then of course your your classic classic cartoons turned into live action films. There's a there's a there's a level of hell reserved just for this shit. Stuff like Fat Albert, Scooby Doo, and the Spectre Gadget, Josie and the Pussycats, Flintstones. You could keep on rattling them off because they keep on doing them. Uh, I think like you know if you want to go as far as like you know Garfield and Marmaduke, this crap, Alvin and the Chipmunks. They just can't stop turning this stuff into crap. So. The odds of a TV show from my childhood being made into a decent film are very slim. But the A-Team pulls it off. And I, I'm just as surprised anybody else. I mean, they, uh, you know, the, uh, the A-Team, they, they pulled through unscathed. They, they, it's just, and who, who, else couldn't, who else could do that except the A-Team? I remember the episode where they escaped federal prison using garbage bags and hair dryers. And, fl- and flew it out like these weird jet chairs they made out of them. I mean, come on. If they could, I mean, eat your heart out, MacGyver. If they could do that, of course they can, you know, pull off a successful TV show. And is the, from the opening scene, the opening the opening sequence alone, you know you're in the right hands. The, the, the opening scene introduces Hannibal's character and introduces, really introduces the whole concept. What they did with the film is they, they, they realize that, yeah, there's the van and there's B.A. and there's all the, you know, the main characters, Murdoch, Hannibal, Face, and there's the whole action sequence thing. But what it really came down to, what really made the show, was the whole idea of the plan. I mean, the, the famous line, I love it when the plan comes together, the plan is what made the show. It was, it was kind of like a kid's Mission Impossible. And it was always... You know the plan that always works, and you have that twist where oh, it's not working, but no, we planned it to work. We knew it wouldn't work, so that's why we planned it this way. And you get that kind of story twist, and they really dedicated themselves to that. And the way they introduce that whole theme in the opening scene is just great. Not only does it does it convey the theme of the film, uh, it really introduces the first um, Hannibal's character, you know, to great effect, and it is undeniably cool. It's just shot right. Now this is this is writer director Joe Carnahan who who brought us Smoke and Aces which I am a huge fan of and oh what was the other film he did damn it I'm I'm drawing a blank now uh it was Smoke oh, Smoking Aces 2 which I haven't seen yet but uh oh, something else I liked um damn it uh, oh yeah Narc he did Narc and Narc was very underrated film I, I think that was you now if Joey was here he'd be able to confirm this for me hang in there Joey wherever you are uh, but I believe that Narc was snubbed for Oscars and stuff, but it really got a lot of cri- rave cr- critical review, and, and it was a great film, very dark film. He, uh, Carnahan has got an eye for really how to direct characters, how to convey characters. He's really a character-driven director writer. Uh, you saw that with Smoke and Aces, he juggled so many different, really interesting characters, uh, very vivid characters. And uh, he really juggled them, but made everything interesting. And there wasn't a point where you thought, "Okay, let's get back to this character, let's get back to that character." Every character grabbed your interest. And he does the same with the A Team, especially with now the, the the there's a banter, there's a lot of banter, quick dialogue back and forth, a lot of people talking at once, and you hear snippets here and there, and it really adds to the film. 
there's a lot of talking during the action sequences and because you you know you're trying to explain stuff while you're doing an action sequence sometimes and that can bog down the scene and Carnahan really knows how to do it where the 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 quick dialogue and the banter actually add to the pace of the scene instead of drag it down and beyond that also he knows how to do villains he did the villains great in this now you you've got uh uh the two villains were Lynch and Lynch and Pike played by Brian Bloom and oh what was it Patrick Harris uh Patrick Wilson Patrick Wilson and Brian Bloom and there's ever since like the early 90s I think or even earlier maybe but I think the 90s has really really grabbed hold a lot of action films feel the need to make their villains so dark and evil so every time you see them they've got that dark malicious uh evil smirk and the glaring eyes and every 5 minutes they shoot an elderly woman in the head or, or crush a puppy skull with their heels just to remind the audience that they're evil. You know, innocent people must die on a regular basis, otherwise you won't hate these characters enough. Carnahan realizes that's not important. If they're bad guys, they're bad guys. And But what he does is he makes the bad guys just as entertaining and interesting and in some ways likable as the good guys. So when you're following Pike and Lynch and they're interacting with their own cronies and they're interacting with each other it's just as much fun they really and again the banter it is this it's i can't stress that enough this is the film that really the the dialogue flies and there's you know there's some it's not all non-stop action there's pauses like you have to have it but the dialogue is very well written and now there are going to be people that are going to complain that there are parts of the film that are outrageous or crazy oh you can't do that there's a and there are there are some scenes where they do stuff and and in the basis of reality yeah that couldn't happen it's implausible uh physics don't work that way but i'm for those who are going to complain about that like i would in some cases i must refer you to the garbage bag hair dryer escape and that's the beauty of the show of the movie is that they kept the the charm of the original show and part of that was that, of course, it's a TV show for, you know, for it's a family show, but it's for kids. And it's not supposed to be 100% realistic. And so the movies that kind of seem kind of almost like, almost like that James Bond surreal reality where things that really couldn't happen do because it looks cool. And it's the same effect. Yeah, sure. In reality, you can't float uh, a heavy cargo bin full of wads of cash you know millions of billions of dollars millions of dollars with a half a dozen airbags but it looks cool it adds to the film that's what you're going to do um you know whether or not the physics behind it are sound you will believe a man can fly a tank it's just a fun movie uh and everybody just just the, the performances are great i mean it's it's like J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. They don't try to mimic the characters they're portraying from the TV show. Instead, they actually make them their own. So you're not just—it's not like, oh, I'm watching him. I'm not—I'm I'm not watching Liam Neeson play George Pappard. I'm watching Liam Neeson play the same character, but in a Liam Neeson way. And, it's, and it, you know, hats off to uh, to um, Quentin Quentin Jackson for doing Mr. T's role. Because talk about a role that's going to be dwarfed by the original guy if you 
try to mimic him or you know pretend to be him. Uh, Quentin could have easily just like botched the whole role by just like doing a Mr. T impression, but he didn't. He he came close enough where you knew he's supposed to be what Mr. T was, but he really becomes his own version of B. A. Baracus, and and that really just helps the the movie move that much quicker. It really just paces it along. It's really good. I I really enjoyed this film. Now, if if I had one complaint about the film, it would be after the credits. They have a little couple of quick humorous clips where two of the characters bump into the original characters. Basically, uh, Dirk Benedict and Dwight Schultz make cameos. They're the, the original face and Murdoch. They make cameos where they bump into uh, Bradley Cooper and Shartlow uh, Copley from Precinct 9. Not Precinct 9. Jesus, District 9. Uh, I'm thinking of Precinct 13. Uh, anyway... The original characters bump into the new characters for a little, you know, it's like a minute long. It's a little cameo. It's just to kind of tip of the hat to the old crew. Now, of course, that's only half the cast. George Prepard and Mr. T are missing. George Prepard turned down the role, turned down the idea of a cameo because he's been dead for like 15 years. So, understandably, he was reticent to make an appearance. Mr. T, on the other hand, uh, if you look back at the old news, he... Well, he started, I mean, if he had just said, I don't want to be a part of the new show, it, that was what it was, and I really don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to change that at all. I just want to keep that what it was, and that's it. I could have respected that. If you if you want to just put your foundation in the fact that I don't want to rehash the past, you know, the past is where it belongs, is, is where it belongs, I would have respect for that. But then he, he goes off on this kind of, uh, and Mr. T's always been a bit out there, uh, in my opinion. He goes off on this kind of mini rant saying that he, he, he was afraid that if he made a cameo that the studios would take his image and and take take the fact that he was in the film and try to sell it sell that as the main reason to see the film. And it's kind of funny when you consider uh I mean it, it's 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 almost like Mr. T it's almost like Mr. T still sees the world in this kind of surreal black and white cartoonish uh vague construct that's eerily similar similar to the reality he tried to sell to kids in the eighties when he dubbed himself the uh, the moral protector and and mentor of all children of the eighties, and he still thinks this way. So his idea is, oh, I'm an I'm an important person. I I you know, and if if I'm on if if I go on the show, if I go in this movie, then they're going to use my image to sell the children on this film, which is more violent and has more sex in it than the TV show did. And I can't have that because I don't, I don't want them to try to make money off of me and mislead my my public. And I, I find it hilarious because if you if you look, as far as I can tell, the only thing that Mr. T has been hawking for the past few years are Snickers bars overseas, not even American tr- commercials, and video games. And it, it's um, it's kind of funny when you think uh, that back in the '80s, Mr. T was a, he did a lot of public service announcements for kids, and his big uh, two of his big messages were about eating right and about getting a lot of ex- exercise, outdoor activity. And so now he's hawking candy bars and video games. Yet he's afraid that they're going to use his image to misrepresent his message for the A-Team movie. The name is Mr. T. First name is Mr. Middle name is that period. Last name is T. Some people expect they free ride through life. 
cruising by on good looks and luck. Let me tell you something right now. It don't work that way. Hey, Mr. T here. Have you ever been accused of doing something you didn't do? Well, it happened to me in Mexico City. And I got thrown in jail for it. Listen and listen good. I'm talking to you. When a new kid moves in on your block, what's your attitude? Do you figure? What do we need him for? Well, I pity the fool that makes that mistake. Now, there are cars and then there are classics. You know, it's easy to get lost in the desert. Now, everybody listen up. We're going to talk about strangers. You got to learn how to deal with them. You got to. Spike ran into a couple of bad strangers and we almost never saw him again. Hey, fellas. I got some good news and bad news. The bad news, our star runner, Jimmy, won't be here for our track meet. He has to go to the dentist. So please don't brag. Only fools brag. Bragging just shows you can shoot off your big mouth. If you're great, people will know it. You don't have to tell them anything. Just like I don't have to tell you. Understand? You think all Indians are the same? All Latinos the same? All Chinese the same? Well, Indians aren't the same either. You wear glasses, Eddie. Put them on. Some people make fun of others for wearing glasses. Well, I pity the fools who do that. Because there's nothing wrong with wearing glasses. If you need them. But listen up now. This is serious. When you're attempted to do something wrong, even if the reasons are good, think twice. You catching my drift? Yeah. Control your weight. Don't let it control you. Eat smart, eat good, and you'll be smart and look good. If a stranger offered you a toy, some candy, or a puppy, take off. Hey, we solved that hundred-year-old mystery. If you did, good. If not, well, try again next week. The bottom line is, we all have things that is very important to us that we don't want other people to touch. How would you feel if someone went through your stuff? But he was lucky this time, but don't you press your luck. Things start looking fuzzy and blurred. You get your eyes checked right away. Okay? Okay. Okay. It's it's like Adam West and Shatner, and I'm still not 100% convinced on Shatner. These are guys that realized that their entire career was a parody of itself, and they finally got in on the joke and made it work for them. And I don't think Mr. T has gotten it yet. I don't think he realizes that he was always a parody of himself. And I don't think he's in on the joke. I think he still takes himself seriously and would explain why he would actually give that kind of excuse to say that he couldn't cameo in the film. I mean, it's a small... It's It only bothered me because it's so glaringly obvious that Mr. T didn't make a cameo. So why wouldn't you do that? Your fans love you. And... <clears throat> Apart from that, the, the movie was great. I really enjoyed it. They had some trailers beforehand for uh, Night and Day with Tom Cruise and Diaz, and yeah, it looks fun. I guess I'm 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 not on the anti Tom Cruise bandwagon. I think I think he's made a lot of fun movies and entertaining films. I think it's all he's ever really set out to do. And Hollywood, they pulled that shit where the minute his films just stopped making as much money as they thought, they blamed him and said, "Oh, it's because yeah, the the new." Mission Impossible film didn't make that much money because people didn't like you jumping on the couch on Oprah. So no, they probably didn't like it because the film sucked. Because sequels don't do well. And, it, and his Nazi film didn't do that well. So, oh, it's because people don't like you. So, no, they didn't like the movie. They didn't want to see the film. They weren't interested. It's not personal. Jesus. 
But, you know, they need a scapegoat because the studio can't blame itself. So, yeah, I'm going to be the guy that sticks up for Tom Cruise on that. They also had the trailer for Scott Pilgrim vs. The World with Michael Cera. I don't care if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I really don't. I'm I'm tired of seeing the kid in every other film. But uh, it does look fun, and I'm not... I'm not. I'm not sick of him yet. I'm just sick of seeing him and everything. But that looks kind of fun. I do highly recommend catching the A Team. If you, if, especially if you were a fan of the original show. If you're in the, if you're in your mid thirties, uh, then you, you really got to see it because this is this was made for you. They, I mean, they, it's very seldom when they remake these films that they add. They, they take these TV shows from the eighties and they remake them. They're not remaking them for the original audience. They're making it for a new audience and they're changing it. Like the whole G.I. Joe's bullshit. You know, when they just... I, I can't... I don't know one person who grew up with G.I. Joe that liked that movie because they didn't make it for G.I. Joe fans. They, they they just tried to twist and mutate an old classic into a new classic and it never works. But with A-Team, you can tell, even though they don't mimic it uh, and they do modernize it, they still made it for the old fans. They still made it for the love of that, and that's why it's worth seeing. You got to check it out. Uh, I, I do apologize for reviewing a positive, a good film, a positive review this time. It's, they're not as much fun as I know. Uh, I'm hoping to do a quick podcast soon and review the Human Centipede, and I'm thinking of going back and doing uh, an old one from the books, maybe Dead Time Stories. I haven't watched that since I was a kid, and uh, I was just talking to some other, about that recently. So that's that's on the horizon. Let me try to jump, chat some other stuff quick up. Uh, you know, just check in. I'm going to be back every week. Uh, um, now, this is where I normally would throw in the uh, identification stuff, so I guess I should probably go ahead and mention that you've been listening to the Movie Sucktastic, and you can check catch all of our stuff at moviesucktastic.com. You go to moviesucktastic.com, and you have links to our blog. You have links to our Twitter. You have links to our Facebook fan page. You can listen to all our podcasts live on the website, or you can find links to go to Blogger, uh, not Blogger, sorry, Podcast.com, Podcast Alley, or iTunes, and you can subscribe to the show there, or listen to it live from those sites as well. Other than that, um, I think I want to plug uh, Riff Tracks again. Also, Cinematic Titanic's coming out with a new DVD. I believe it's actually this week it's coming out, so check that out. I got a chance to see them live last month, and that was a, a wonderful, wonderful uh event if you get a chance if cinematic titanic comes and you can go to cinematictitanic.com and check it out if they're coming to your area for a live show by all means get tickets it is it is like sitting in a live version of mystery science theater 3000 oh the new mst3k box set from the shout factory is coming out on amazon pre-order it now it comes out in july i think it's volume 18 uh, and I forget what's in that, but uh, Beast of Yucca Flats is definitely in the box set, which is the only MST3K I have never seen. I have seen every single episode except that one, including the KTMAs. So I'm very excited about that box set. I finally get my hands on that one. Um, I'm not sure there's anything else I want to promote on that. Uh, also, if you go to my website, smichaelwilson.com, I have the latest news coming up on uh, the books I have coming out. My Bella Lugosi book is in the final throws of being squeezed out into the mainstream. An anthology I'm included in. Body uh, body bags. <laughs> Butcher knives and body counts. That's coming out in October. And the cover just got released. So you can check the cover out on my personal site. smichaelwilson.com uh, If anybody hears anything about where Joey might be. 
Uh, I mean, and if if anybody knows anything about any of these avatar fanatic groups, you know where they're located or if they have any kind of online presence, let me know because I, honestly, I was trying to check out the the you, when you listen to that the previous podcast where he was kidnapped, and I have that I still have the audio of him phoning in the phone call on my uh, messaging service, and when you listen to it, you can hear this weird language in the back, and I figured it's got to be Navi. So if I can find out what they're saying in, in Navi, because you know these, it's like the Klingon language all over again. These freaks are actually learning how to speak Navi. Then I can figure it out. And I swear, every time I go to a site that says they can translate English into Navi or Navi in English, my computer crashes. And I I don't know if it's just my computer, but that seems like a weird coincidence. I'm thinking there's some there's somehow they're filtering out the non Avatar freaks. Uh, I mean James Cameron's got the money. Maybe he's behind all this. Maybe he's funding them. Maybe they're like there's, I got a feeling there's avatar fanatic sleeper cells throughout America, just waiting for some kind of bizarre Navi uprising, and it won't work. I mean, we can we can guarantee that, but it doesn't mean they're not going to try. Oh, and I also want to promote the website Cosmic News. Cosmic, uh, I really should write this crap down. Cosmic Book News. You can go to movies.cosmicbooknews.com, hosted by a friend of the friend of the show, Don Smith, a local journalist. He uh, got together with some friends, and it's it's a really it's a it's an all around great source of news and information for your sci fi movie comic kind of crowd. It's it, it, you know if you're in any kind of pop culture whatsoever, check out Cosmic Book News. After you go to moviesucktastic.com, and I'm pretty sure we'll probably have a link up there from Moviesucktastic soon, so check that out. Uh, don't forget to check it out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Uh, please, please, we're trying to increase our Twitter flow. I uh, never thought I'd say that, uh, but but thanks for listening in. I'm, I'm hoping that this uh, 18 review just uh, makes you want to watch it that much more. And I promise I will review something I hate coming up very soon. Well, I kind of did. I kind of ranted a bit about drive-ins, I guess. But uh, thanks again for listening, and just remember, making fun of your waitress's boyfriend's panda bear neck tattoo will not guarantee you a quickly refilled cup of coffee. See you next week.